This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What is up, everybody? She cry. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we speak in tongues. And we also refine and redefine the sales game today. I'm going to have a good time on this one because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that revolves around the trip that we took. Bucket list trip, not just because of the geography, not just because of the activity, but also because of the company where we went to Alaska and went fishing for everything under the sea and a few things out of the air that we're going to talk about in this podcast. With my good friends, Mr. Daniel Song, Aaron Robertson, and number one, my number one, Mr. Grayson Carruthers. So guys, welcome. Welcome to my living room of recollection. Yeah. We have a hard time remembering it. It's been so long. Was it August we took this trip? It was, man. It was part. I mean, I've been all the way to Germany and back since then. And New York <laughs> City twice. And I, <laughs> it's been, I forget it's been, why it was. Been, why is it we? Why was it we had to reschedule this podcast many times? Was it like six times, David? We had to reschedule this. I think it was about seven. Seven. Okay. I forget why, but I, you know, I everybody, I, I apologize. They're still giving me a hard time. One time, I had to reschedule. <laughs> it was it was due to work, or I forget what it was. The second time, that's when I was on my deathbed, dying. But I still had the courtesy <laughs> to let everybody know that hey, I am not going to make it today. Listen, everybody, I want you to hear it loud and clear. Daniel Song is a professional canceler. He he knows <laughs> he knows exactly how to get the word out so that you know what's going on. I honestly didn't know you were that sick, man. Uh, Aaron told me he's like, I think Daniel's pretty bad off. So yeah. I probably did bust your chops a little bit more than I should. And and I apologize for that a little bit. But um Alaska man, what's Daniel? You had never been to Alaska before, right? You had never been fishing before. You had like so many firsts for you in this trip. Like, if you were to summarize just like briefly, <laughs> what like what was going through your mind when we because to me it's still surreal when we landed in Anchorage, and part of it's probably because <laughs> we were so tired the next day, but that first day when we drove up toward Denali. And we, you're looking left and right. There's all these rivers and streams and, you know, fog and moose. 
and everything. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, holy cow, like we're, we're really here. What was running through your mind? Yeah, well, it was definitely a trip of a lifetime. And you're right. I've never been fishing before. So whenever you post your Florida pictures of all the <laughs> fish and everybody around you and you had just having a great time, you know, I really envy that. And I said, man, how cool would that be? And everybody that I know that goes fishing just absolutely loves it. So never been fishing before in my life. Never been to Alaska in my life. And for Alaska to be my first fishing trip, boy, I, I got to tell you, I, I still talk about it and I've talked enough about it where Christina saying, you know what, I'm going to go with you because oh. we just, man, we had a great time. That trip was, I, I still think about it. And that's why I want to plan another trip this year because we did have so much fun and the memories and the stories and and also obviously company has something to do with it because we did get pretty close to each other. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it was a good timing too. I think if, if I had any regrets, I just really wish there was a faster way to get there and back. Like you lose a whole day getting there and a whole day coming back. And, you know, look, I, I can probably speak freely for all of us. That's an awful long time to be away from home. Yeah, it's an awful lot. That's a very big ask for me to ask Andrea to keep the kids by herself for what amounted to nine days. And it's different than when I typically travel, at least recently for work, because Grayson has not been going with me and he can actually help a little bit with with the kids when I'm not there. But, you know, she was very gracious in in letting me go. Um, if she would have said she didn't want me to go, I wouldn't have gone. She said, nope, go get it. At first, she re she really wanted to go with me. And then when I started describing more along the line, I mean, she would have done the fishing and everything else, but um, it's really tough to convert the Alaska wilderness into the Ritz-Carlton is what I'm saying. That's well, what I'm was, trying to I get I was just going to gonna say that. There's no Ritz. <laughs> there's no Chanel out there. There's no Cartier. So she was going to have a tough time. Yeah, she was. So, Aaron, this is your second time or, mm -hmm. or more, right? Yeah. How second How's this compared to, to when you went last year, other than you didn't have COVID this time? That's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest differentiator. But, you know, I know, I know we were talking and I know I'd mentioned that this trip was coming back up and it was for sale and we could go again and all that. And David, you said this is on my bucket list, which when you say bucket list to me, I'm like, bro, don't say bucket list unless you're ready to go. Cause we'll make that, that'll happen. And we'll, we'll get on a plane. But, uh, you know, I think I got more opportunity to get out um, and, and, again, being healthy. And I had COVID. And this time was just better. We we just didn't really have any restraints. We could kind of, kind of go wherever we wanted to. Um, but, again, the adventure with my friends, it was just providing an opportunity for us to have just so much fun and, and, and you know, just let whatever happens is going to happen. And, damn, it did. And it was such an adventure for the time that we even left, you know, San Antonio to get to uh, L.A. and then to Seattle, then seeing you in Seattle and Anchorage and the whole trip. But, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it this morning, just like everything from the flight to getting there to just going to breakfast with a damn adventure. So this was better with my friends. I would do it 10 times out of 10 again. And if you've never been to Alaska, this is my just call to everyone. Go to Alaska. It is unbelievable. Everywhere you look. Yeah. And I'm going to ask Grayson the same question here in just a second. But, you know, I think that for me, one of the things that really hit home more than anything else was the impact that us going on that trip made on other men. 
mm-hmm. and other people in the industry, partially because Grayson was with me as my son, but I can't tell you guys, and I'm sure you got, you had the same. I can't tell you how many people like probably over a hundred emailed text shot, Facebook messages saying, wow, what an awesome trip. Love looking at your pictures, love seeing the video. What a great trip to take with your son. I'm going to make this a goal for me to do with with my son or my even some people my daughter. I know Aaron, you you have girls, so mm-hmm. that you know take your daughter. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's great to talk about doing that, but the difference is I pulled the trigger. That's why I got pictures. That's why I got video. And I think too many times we look at people that are going and doing the things that we want to do that we think would be awesome and great memories to make, and yet we never take that next step. We're not promised tomorrow, everybody. I mean, if you have that trip in front of you, to to Aaron's point, what he said is if you say bucket list, I'm getting on a plane. I don't say bucket list unless I plan on getting on a plane. We used to throw that term around loosely, but I'm at the point now when I turn 50, I know for a fact I've lived at least 50% of my life. If I live to be 100, there's no way there's any quality of life because I went hard for the first 50 already. Now it's time for me to be able to go and relax and enjoy that time that I have left while I'm still young enough and physically able enough to enjoy it. And I would tell anybody to do that. I'm not, I'm not advocating you rack up a bunch of debt. I'm not advocating that you ignore your business. You know, there's a time to go and there's a time not to. Did my business suffer because I was gone? Yeah, it probably did to some degree because I was gone for nine days and things happen when you're gone for that period of time. But there was nothing that happened at all whatsoever in any of my endeavors that wasn't fixable or recoverable when I got back. And it takes a lot for me to get out and unplug like that and not stay wired into everything that was going on. And even though I probably did communicate more than I needed to, I think that I did a reasonable job of not staying completely plugged into everything that was going on for the time that we were there. And that, that that's what the magic was for me. What I explained to everybody, I could tell you anything and everything to describe what it's like to go and, and, and walk out and step foot in Alaskan soil the first time. But anything I say is not going to do it any justice whatsoever. There is no way for me to paint a word picture that would describe to you what it's like. It has to be experienced. And I actually used that same metaphor with Grayson the first time I took him to New York City last summer. I said, look, man, I can tell you everything to expect, but no matter what I say to you, the first time you step out onto Fifth Avenue and you look left, right, up, down, you're going to be like, holy crap, nothing could have prepared me for this. And it's the same way. It's just a different, it's a different visual. Well, if you remember, I was very geeked up about Alaska because I've been there and I'll try to like we we had that trip what three months planned and I said I said guys, oh, well I, it may, it may have been fifteen months planned depending well, on. <laughs> but the point is is like I was super ex- excited and I was like may, I I don't want to oversell this so I remember we were coming back from Denali going down the Kenai Peninsula and I was a designated driver I remember I looked over at you David and I said and we had just saw a Norwal we saw some seals. We saw a couple other eagles and things like this, and we we're just looking at this beautiful scenery. And I looked over at you. I said, "I know I got excited, but is there any? Is I just? I, what do you think? I, I don't didn't want to oversell Alaska. What do you think?" And he looked at me with a dead face and said, "There's no words to describe this place. There's no way you could have possibly over oversold what I'm looking at." And I was like, "Okay, mission accomplished." Because that was what day two, one or whatever it was. 
it's unbelievable. But I mean, like I said, you know, and that's one of the, the reasons I wanted to do these trips like this and just get the hell out of the office. We all work hard. We all have stress. We all have debt. We all have things we want to do, but you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to get put in front of us to David's point to go out and see parts of the world like this, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, they, uh, Daniel had never been, you know, fishing. I was like, man, you know, how have you not experienced, you know, 40 years of life and not done that? You know, that's something you've got to go do and something you just got to go out and just, you know, recharge your battery with wilderness and just be one with the trees and the animals and the, just the view, the scenery and, that kind of thing. It's it's just he's, a, he's an angler now. He's an angler. We're angling. We're angling. Well, one, one thing, Dave. I and I've told you, I've told you this private. I've told you this privately and probably publicly too. But you know, your relationship with your wife and your kids is something to be admired, and I I do see you putting or being intentional and putting a lot of focus and energy in it. Just like you invest in your business, you invest in your family. Grayson. I, th I think that goes both ways though, Daniel. I mean, Aaron and I heard you and Christina coordinating Mr. Nathan's schedule. And I mean, my guy's got more handlers than I do at his age. So <laughs> there's a lot of intentional investment yeah. there too. And I yeah. think, you know, and I know you want to say something to Grayson and I want him to answer the same question that we've all kind of opined on a little bit. But I want to I want to be very clear on something too. I think that when you're open and you're honest about how you invest in your family or how you invest in those relationships, that a lot of time people on social will look at that and think there's a guy that's got it all figured out, everything's perfect. Or there's another subset that goes, ah, there he is showing off again. I bet he beats his wife when nobody's looking. The reality is that. Everything that I see from the content of your family that's captured on video, albeit very well produced from an end product standpoint, is also 100% on point. So for you to tell me that you have that level of respect, obviously it's reciprocated, man, because you're not. I'm not doing anything that you're not already doing. You're just seeing it through a different lens when you see how I operate. Mm. Grayson, by the time a child reaches 18 years of age, that child has spent 98% of their time with their parents in their life. When your child reaches the age of 18, they have spent 98% of the time that they're going to spend with you already. Because when you, you know, once you you hit 18, if you go to school, you know, you come home for the holidays and then you go get a job and maybe you live on the different side of the coast and it just, right? You, sometimes you get together for the holidays. I mean, it's almost separate lives. So I'm really curious about how you enjoy the trip, but also, you know, kind of what you got out of the trip. Like what is your dad doing for you that makes you say, well, you know what, when I have kids, I want to kind of do this. Yeah. So there's definitely two completely different answers uh, to that question, because I could answer the part about my dad and what he's done for me. But I also got a lot out of you and, and Aaron and spending some time around you guys. So first of all, I'll just answer what I got out of that trip was it was one of my first real, I guess I would call it like old fashioned spending time with people experiences because it had, it had been a long time, at least as long as I could remember since I didn't really have my cell phone on me all day. I didn't really have the ability to 
spend my time doing anything other than socializing with and getting to know the people that I was with. So one of the biggest things that I got was just hearing both of you and Aaron's story. And it was very impactful for me because coming from both of you guys, you talked a lot about your experience is whenever you were around my age in the Marines. And I think that one of the things that I picked up on both from the stories you told me versus present day was that a lot of what you guys were doing at my age shaped you into who you are today in terms of your habits, your discipline, your respect, all those things that you guys had learned. And I think that what that illustrated to me was it's very important for me at my age to spend my time doing the right things because whenever I get to your guys' age, what I did in my past is really what's going to is what's going to shape me into who I want to be. So that was probably my biggest takeaway outside of um, my dad was just getting to know you guys, hearing about where you guys came from versus where you guys are today and, and really what it takes to make the type of men that you guys are. Grayson, just so you know, Aaron and I, we are nowhere near your dad's age, okay? Your dad's old, <laughs> right? Just right. so you know. Right. <laughs> right. And I also want to be very clear that some of those stories that mold and shape him were by giving him examples of things not to do. Yeah. I want to be very, very Majority clear. of it not to do. Yeah, I wasn't going to was go there, more, but. Yeah, Grayson was much more political in his answer than yeah. he, he yeah. needed to be. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody else. I'm just saying. Yeah. Aaron, you got to tell. Okay, let, let's kind of go into the trip a little bit because you flew in from San Antonio yeah. Uh, David and Grayson flew in from Florida. I flew in from California, but kind of go through the first couple of days, man. So I leave like, you know, I, I booked my flight and I think that flight had been changed probably 10 to 12 times with Delta. And I, you know, I've got mama points and I am not nearly what you guys have, but I've got, you know, some, some loyalty built up there and I booked through Delta and I thought, okay, we'll get this thing locked, locked down. So it doesn't move. I know exactly where I'm landing, when I'm taking off. That was the that was the farthest thing that would have just happened. I mean, this my flight. I got notified probably I don't know, a couple of three four times a week. Hey, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Roberts, your flight has now changed. Like my goodness gracious. So I went from having like an hour and a half delay or layover in Los Angeles to a nine hour layover in L.A. <laughs> I got to L.A. at nine a.m. or something crazy. Daniel, out of the goodness of his heart, comes to L.A. early just to hang out because I'm bored. I, I went and took a nap. Um, I, I went and got a massage. You know, I, I did everything known to man in that airport without leaving airport, right? So <laughs> he finally gets there. We relax, fly, get on a flight, go to Seattle. And then we're waiting around again, which is understandable. We're... In the in the in the I think the Centurion Club or one of the Delta Lounges or something like that, and we're yeah. we're having fun. And I'm like, you know what? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've been literally in the same clothes for at this point, coming up on 12 hours. I'm gonna go take a shower. Dan was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm gonna go take a shower." He's like, "Really?" I said, "100%. There's free showers. I'm gonna take full advantage." And so I took a shower, had some clothes on me. I changed with the clothes that I had in my 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 bag. And then I think we met David and took off. And um, but you know, just I think just kind of the expectations 
that we had were were only met with the reality once we all got there. You know, okay, what is this going to be like? We're all there together. We all got there in Seattle, and then we took off. It was fun just to get everybody there. And then it was like, okay, let the real shenanigans begin. I didn't realize it was going to be quite the the uh, fiasco once we landed <laughs> in Anchorage, but I remember. We got to Anchorage and I'm and I land there and me and Grayson were waiting for our bags to come down. He got his last bag and Grayson, I looked over, I said, there's no way, right? And he's like, you think they lost your bag, bro? I go, God, don't say that. Lost my bag. Yeah. I was first class priority and they lost my bag only to find out that no, my bag was not in Anchorage. It was not even in Seattle. It hadn't even left Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, and, and Aaron, you had a firearm in there. Oh, a large one at that. I had, yeah, I had a large firearm. There any other kind? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you take to Alaska, right? You had a large firearm, and they're like, yeah, well, I mean, those are firearm bags and ones they like to keep track of where they're at on the plane and you know that kind of thing. They had no idea where my bag was. Well, I mean, think about it, man. I dodged a massive bullet because I had gone through everything two different times, and we went and checked in as we were getting ready to head home. And for some reason in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I felt like I had two boxes of that one kind of ammo. And I only remember putting one in my suitcase. Let me take everything completely out of my backpack just to make sure. I have no idea why it popped into my head. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why I would even have thought of it. And I take it out. And sure enough, there's a brand new unopened case of 45 oh cartridges oh. in my backpack. And so Aaron is still checking in his stuff. And I went up and said, look, man, I mean, this is not a cheap cheap box of ammo but you know I, I you can have it if you want to put it in your checked bag before you check it you can do that uh, but i i don't think i can carry this on i'd get in trouble and the lady's like uh no not only would you have a massive fine you'd probably get arrested and also be banned from flying for the next six months and i'm like holy crap man i needed to be in like i was flying somewhere that i was flying to key west that weekend then the following week, I was flying somewhere for a speaking gig, and we had the trip to New York with Josh and Ashley Gurley on the books. We had the trip to New York with our families in December for Christmas. I'd have missed all of that stuff if I wouldn't have gone back in. And I'm thinking, holy cow, like, talk about divine intervention. Humbala, humbala. No, Wait, so, talk so about divine was, intervention. This yeah. was leaving Alaska? Yeah, when we were leaving, yeah, yeah. I, I pulled a, a, a box of ammo out, thank God, that would have gone through TSA, and I'd have been toast, man. I don't even know how, if I can't fly, how am I going to get home, man? I, I, it would have taken me two weeks to drive. She looked at me. She said, I don't think your friend realizes how lucky he is. I was like, I think he does. I can see yeah. pants puckering as he's walking away. I think he does. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, yeah. man. Yeah, that was something else. But yeah, we, we all got checked in the hotel. No, I mean, let's not even go there far. We we got the rental car. So <laughs> and, we and Aaron, Aaron, this is what, at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yes. Yeah, about 2 o'clock in the morning. So Alaska I, time, people, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, our times. Yeah. So we got to the rental car place and I think I, uh, it was like a Nissan Armada or something like that, a, a mid-sized SUV. And we get in it. It was Jeep. It was a regular Jeep, a Jeep Cherokee. Right. It was right. a Cherokee. Yeah. So we get in it. Mind you, I'm missing two bags. We're jammed to the gills with gills. bags. And I looked over, I said, like, guys, I don't think this is going to be enough a, a car. I don't think this is going to be enough. Right. So. Luckily, had uh, the opportunity to go back in there, get out of the Jeep, get into an F-150 that had open bed on the back. And luckily, everybody had the bags that were waterproof. But, you know, 
and then it's okay. Let's go ahead and leave. Let's go to the hotel because we're all tired. Just kidding. We're all flooded in the into the parking garage. Pouring rain. Can't get out. Not only were we flooded in, there was a car that had been tried to forge the little river, if you will, in the <laughs> Alaska parking garage that got stuck. So not only were we flooded, we're blocked in. And we just looked at each other like, this is Anchorage. This is Alaska, folks. This is the things you don't get in Tampa or, or Anaheim or wherever you're mm-hmm. at, San Antonio. This is, doesn't happen there. So this is all part of the adventure. I kept trying to tell myself, look, this is all part yeah. of the adventure. This is going to be fine once I get my bags, once we get to, to fish and, and have some good fun. But, yeah, those things you can't script. Certainly, certainly adventures. And then yeah. so we, we check into our hotel. And what was it? The next, We still don't have your luggage. So Daniel... Daniel's, I think, asleep or at least playing, acting like he's asleep. And I, I <laughs> get my clothes on that I've had on effectively for 12 hours now. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't going to fix itself, right? This, so let me just get up, get the car, go down to Walmart and buy clothes, toothbrush, toiletries, so that I could, you know, just, you know, be somewhat hygienic and in a close proximity of, of my friends the next 12 hours or so. Yeah. We, we were only willing to get so close with nature, man. So yeah, we, we do appreciate yeah. that. So went down to Walmart and what I, one thing I didn't, and I'm not knocking Anchorage. I love Anchorage, but one thing I didn't realize about Anchorage is there's the crime that's in Anchorage. I mean, everything they had there was, was locked up the toothbrushes, the toothpaste, the, the toiletries, the underwear, you had to get the key to get those things open. And apparently there's a lot of people doing smash and, and grab and, and that kind of thing. Uh, which I was really surprised at Anchorage. You think there's, you know, it's rural and whatnot, but you know, they have the same problems, I guess, or maybe even more that other places have. But so I think I spent $120 on some pants that didn't really fit a shirt that was good enough that I think ripped when I put it on and a jacket just to kind of keep me cool enough and uh, some toiletries and stuff. So that's how we started we yeah, get back and like, okay, let's go grab some coffee. Let's get ready to go. I think Daniel, I don't think you like the coffee at the, at the, at the, it was excellent clarion or whatever the hell we were at. It's, it can't, it's, it's not the, it's not the Ritz Carlton, but uh, the clarion in or wherever the hell we were at. Uh, comfort in man. There it is. Comfort in. But as, as tired as we all were, it, I mean, we could have slept in the truck and it'd been just fine. I think, but I literally slept in the bed of the truck. W- water and all. Yeah. So once we got there situated, we're like, you know what? Now I think we go and we just icy because we can't leave Anchorage until I know where my bag's at. They're supposed to be delivering my bag to Anchorage, and I can't leave to go down to Kenai until I have my bag. So Well, and the other reason is because they're not supposed to take that bag anywhere other than the airport because you had a firearm. firearm. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's going to be signed for and all that stuff. So, yeah, so we go and uh, make our way north. I guess it was north uh, northeast to go towards Denali, and uh, that was a great trip. Even just parking on the side of the road, you know that bridge we saw, the water rushing, and you know it was. I think David, you made a video, but it just that was the first time to kind of see the 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 scenery. And I think there was a, 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 a cow moose and a, and a cub on the side of the road that we stopped to look at. It was just like there it is, man. You don't see moose in Florida or California, and there it was. No, and I think that, you know, the, for me, a defining moment, and it may, this might be a little cliche, but I really don't care. 
like the first time that you get out of the truck and you take that first full breath in, of that just ridiculously pure air and it gets into your lungs, it's completely different, man. Right. I don't, I don't have the ability here, right? Number one, it's ridiculously humid, but just even from a, a pollution standpoint and everything else, you're not going to get air nearly as pure in Tampa, Florida, as you're going to get, you know, north of Anchorage, Alaska. And and we stepped out to go down to that river, and it was just like, that's the first thing I did. I just took a big deep breath, and I'm like, wow, man, that that's really amazing air to breathe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and just. So much water had risen up in that river, and you know, all the all the debris that went through it. You can see the the tides have changed with the with the ocean coming in and out and, and all that. But I mean, it, you know, and even going up, we tried our best to see Denali. You know, there was so much cloud cover and things we couldn't see. I think we got a glimpse once or twice of the of the summit, what we thought was a summit of Denali. But we saw know, much it, better when we were fishing. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But. Uh, yeah, so then you know we we uh, finally heard back from the airport. It says, "Well, we're going to make accommodations once we have found your bag. We will make sure we bring it to where you're at." I said, "I'm going to Kenai. That's three hours away." She paused and said, "Like, well, then we're bringing it to Kenai. As long as you're bringing it to Kenai, where I'll be, that's okay." So uh, once we you know saw Denali and got our way back south you know i think it was kind of like you know what we're just going to go make the best of it and if i gotta you know stay in the same clothes for three or the four or five days whatever gonna be there then we're just going to do that but i think we all kind of took it in stride i think you know we were some parts delirious um from being (laughs) tired uh just thrilled with where we're at like i threw a canadian accent out one time and grayson (laughs) could not get enough of it i don't even know where the hell it came from so we're just we're all doing it, you know, and, 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 uh, but it was just so much fun. It was, uh, it was just kind of like, man, we're actually here, we're doing it. And we're actually seeing again, for me, the first time for you guys, the, the scenery that place is just like, again, I tell people all the time that Alaska is a damn postcard everywhere you look. And I, I don't think I disappointed when I said that. Yeah. It was so, no, I mean, that's, after, that's about as accurate as you can get. Yeah. After a few days, we finally get to our destination and this is where the trip starts. This is, we're staying at the lodge. Um, and I was actually really impressed and Aaron, you did a great job and I don't think we've thanked you enough because you really took the bull by the horns and you scheduled everything and you planned everything out. And this place was fantastic. I mean, we were on the river there was a main kitchen area or a cabin. So every morning before we went out, now on some of those nights or days, we would get up around three o'clock because we had to pick up, we, we had to go to the kitchen, pick up our breakfast, pick up our lunch, and then drive another two, three hours to wherever we were going. We would fish all day, come back around four or five o'clock, and they would have supper waiting for us. Uh, we would eat, hang out a little bit, and then we would just hit the rack. Grayson, I, you got to tell me, your dad's used to the Rich Carlton, and so are you, right? If you're if you're his son. Now, what was your first impression when you when we opened the door to the lodge? What was your first impression of the of the cabin that we stayed in? Honestly, my first impression was this is going to be a really long week. <laughs> That was my first impression. I will go ahead and throw it out there that it ended up being much, much, much better than I initially had anticipated. But if I'm being completely honest with you, my first impression was this is going to be a long week. And see, from my perspective, I'm like, this is pretty nice. This isn't bad at all. 
No, no, no. Grayson, describe the lodge, like the room, the setup, everything. So, so it was a two-story house at the top of a hill, and there was there was three of them side by side. And whenever we had went inside, there was a little living room area, a small little kitchen, and then upstairs and, well, there and, was and a bathroom downstairs. Yeah, yeah, and there that was, was a bathroom it. downstairs. That was it downstairs. Yes. Upstairs there was a bathroom. There was a an open sort of room that had two twin that was that was a twin bed, correct? I, I think so. It was a small bed, yeah. A twin or a they single. Were, they were regular full beds, but yeah, there oh. were two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there was two small beds in an open area, and then there was a bedroom that had two beds in there. So all four of us were all upstairs, all nice and cozy. And I think honestly that helped. And another bathroom. Upstairs, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I look I look at it as it could have been way worse than what that was. I mean, we were <laughs> yeah. we were in the Daniel, we were in the Ritz Carlton for that part of the country. I mean, that, that's that exactly out. right. Because we were <laughs> in what you call the suites per se, because there were much smaller rooms in, in a different area, but those three well, cabins were, you know, the the better ones. Now we saw uh, that uh, one that looked like a greenhouse, man. Like the, yeah. we tried to go into that one place. We didn't realize that we were up and around the hill. And, you know, I think it was really, really cool. I think one of my favorite things about uh, that I remember from just where we stayed was that day that um, I launched the drone up over the roof and took it down out over the river yeah. as the Beautiful. sun was coming yeah. up. And we had that view. I mean, we had that view off of our back porch. Um, you know, that, that house had a nice wraparound porch. And, you know, if we would have wanted to cook and do everything else, it had the stove, it had the refrigerator and all of that but you know we wanted to we wanted to do what the locals do so we we decided we were going to branch out and explore well, one thing i also want to bring up is like when you wake up in the morning to go fishing daniel it, it is dark but it's oh my god dark it's not like i can kind of see it's like there could be an animal there and you would have no yes. idea there oh, yeah. well, we, we know we, that happened <laughs> conversely oh absolutely conversely when you're going to sleep it's broad damn daylight. I mean, you, like if you're a light sleeper, bring the mask or the pillow or whatever. But yeah, nine, 10 o'clock at night, it is still, a, 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 you know, plenty of light outside. It, it's a lot of light. It don't get real dark till about midnight. So, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I will say this being fully transparent, right? I mean, we're all good buddies. And I would say if we named 20 other people, we would say, oh, yeah, we're all good friends. This was a completely different level of getting to know your buddy. Because even though we travel together, we're all in our separate rooms. Now, this the upstairs to this cabin, just like Grayson explained it, you walk up, there's a bathroom, and there's a loft with two beds. And then there's one door, and there's a bedroom. Now, that that door never got closed. And we just basically made it a you know community area upstairs. Yeah. But here we are, never spend sharing a room together. I mean, we were walking around in our panties, <laughs> shirts off we were i mean there's only two bathrooms so when we come back i mean we all have to go to the bathroom and whatever we're doing in there the next person has to go in so in the very beginning i was a little nervous about how this trip was gonna go but once we got there what i loved about it was there was no hesitation at all we were we were there we were brothers and we were just gonna have a great time and I, I didn't feel as if it was our first time. I mean, we really got to know each other on so yeah. many different levels. That, that's what I think I loved about the trip. We were there as brothers. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think something else um, is worth mentioning. Um, 
And when you go on a trip like that, you can't, you can't like if, if anything at all in your life or your existence is an act or something that you put on for the public, you can't be on the entire time when you're in that kind of a group for that length of time. And, you know, from my perspective, what I would hope that it would have shown, you know, both you and Aaron, Daniel, and it's, it's exactly what I saw from both of you. It's I'm no different when I'm in that environment than I am when I'm in a new business appointment, when I'm at the agency, if I take the stage to speak, I'm the same guy a hundred percent of the time. Let Period. me tell you, look, I'm talking with people who do not know David Carruthers. Or, or think that they know David Carruthers. Okay, right? know David. <laughs> now, let me get real serious here for a second. There are people who speak professionally for a living and they have an onstage persona and they have an offstage persona. And I know some people that have a very different persona on stage and they do off and vice versa. David Carruthers is on all the time. There is no difference. I thought, holy shit, this guy wakes up like this, goes to bed <laughs> like this, and I freaking love it. I'm like, this is not an act. This is who the guy is, which is hysterical. But And that's why I said, I think, you know, the one thing that you see about people who, who happen to be able to speak for, you know, for a living or partial for a living, that that it's not an act. It's, it's genuine. It's who they are. That's just who he is. That's how he operates. And that's how his mind works. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to deviate from, from my, my true North. That's who I am. I'm going to show you who I am all the time. I'm not going to deviate to make you comfortable or, or less uncomfortable. I don't care, uh, which is why I don't speak for a living. However, but uh, David Crothers is the real deal. That's who he is. And uh, Daniel and Grayson, uh, again, I couldn't have asked for uh, better, better folks to be around. So I, I found out that the average person goes up there for about five days or so. Five, and if it's a long trip, it's about six or seven days. The lodge, every, every, oh, well, first of all, everybody was so friendly at the lodge. It was unbelievable. They were so accommodating and hospitable. But they looked at us and said, oh, how long are you here? And I think we said nine or 10 days. And they said, oh, wow, that's a long trip. Um, so- <laughs> Are we spent about five days actually fishing? I want to say two of those were were deep sea fishing, two of those were fly out, and we did one river, and actually we did the one river and one fly. Or what is that? Yeah, we had we had flossing and so, bounce back. That's right. So maybe back six bouncing. days, six or seven days actually. I think. Yeah. Uh, my favorite. I got to tell you, I was ner the most nervous about the deep sea fishing, but I took what is that? That pill dream. Dramamine. I mean, and I was, I was fine. Now, <laughs> I didn't. Oh, look, you were not fine. No, 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 no. You were not fine, Aaron, Aaron. This is where you're making a mistake. You're so, not fine. So this was when we were coming back, and I was sleeping, and I was tired. But it was because I was sleeping and tired, not because I was incredibly oh, sick. Oh, we had it wrong, guys. Sorry. Yes, yeah. yes, but mm -hmm. but the first time we go out there, we're all nervous because we don't know what to expect, and. Granted, we woke up at three o'clock, left the cabins at four. I think we got there, or maybe it was even earlier because I think we got there around six or so. But it was about two or three hours out to out to sea. We're out there for about five, six hours, and it's another two, three hours back. Now, uh, what what did we catch out there? We we well, caught halibut, but but remember, we, it was a small craft advisory. He said we shouldn't be out here. He said, however, I'm willing to risk it. He said, if we go right, we can go catch smaller. That's halibut. right. We go That's left, right. we can get the crap beat out of us. We're going to catch some monster halibut. I'm like, I'm puking either way. Let's do it, <laughs> cowboy. I don't care. Let's go. Let's figure it out. We're, we go big. We go, I don't care. Either one. 
but yeah, it was a good hour and a half just to get out of the inlet. And then we were out in open ocean. That's right. And we opted for the smaller halibut, which they were still, I mean, you know, 30, 40 pounds at least. But I think that the thing that caught me by surprise when we did the offshore stuff is I'm so used to being down in the keys where you're in a center console, you're running out at 40, 50 miles an hour to get out to where you want to be because the water's flat if the weather's nice. And when you're out there, you don't see anything. I'm not saying you don't see, un you see undeveloped nature. You don't see anything at all. It's your boat in the middle of the ocean and nothing around. Whereas when we were in, in um, Homer and Seward, even though we ran out that one day, like two and a half, three hours, there was always some type of land or island that was next to us, which was just, it just blew me away that we had run that far and there's still stuff there just based on how it is. I think the other thing I thought that was really cool, then y'all will have to correct me. I think it, it, which one did we get? We went to Seward second. Seward second, Homer's first. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was when we were at Seward that there was an actual, um, like an active volcano that was there that he was showing us that um, like literally erupts. And I learned so much about just what happens in Alaska that you don't ever think about. Right. I'm always blown away by a major hurricane hitting and people in other parts of the country have no clue that that just happened to Florida. But yet here I sit down in Florida and I have no idea that there's seismic activity and volcanoes up in Alaska that triggers tsunamis so much so that they have tsunami alarms that go off. And the captain of the boat was telling us two o'clock in the morning, you know, not that long ago, he sat straight up in bed because this tsunami alarms going off, letting them know that something got triggered. And, you know, you don't even think about things like that, but you know, nature's just one part of what you face when you get up there. The other thing is, you are not at the top of the food chain, man. And I've really gotten a kick out of watching the videos of people who approach animals stupidly on YouTube since we came back because we got some really good footage. We got very, very close to bears a number of times and probably too close if we're being honest, but they were distracted. They were eating salmon. But at any given time, had those bears turned and decided they wanted white meat, they were going to get it. And that would have been really, really scary for us. Um, I think that that it's just interesting to think about all of the different things we saw. We saw brown bears. We saw black bears. We saw the moose. We saw um, eagles, all kinds of stuff. I think one of my favorite parts of the entire trip was we when we were sitting at the construction site and we were stopped in traffic because they were doing some road work. And out of the corner of my eye, I just saw a disturbance on the surface of that body of water. And I think, you know, in Alaska, I couldn't tell what was fresh water, what was salt water based on how everything was. I just kind of assume anything like gr ground level, not up in the mountains, probably is at least brackish at a bare minimum based on how it's connected. But I remember Aaron goes, do you see that dolphin? I'm like, dude, that's not a dolphin. Dolphins have dorsal fins. And there wasn't one there. I said, I think that may have been a beluga whale. And as soon as I said it, like two or three more pop up and it, the whole time we're sitting there, we're literally in the truck on the highway, looking at the bottom of water right next to us. And we probably saw a dozen whales breach over that five minutes we were sitting there. And I'm like, this is incredible. I can't believe. And we get up and around the, the curve and the place is called Beluga Point because it's the <laughs> place everybody goes to look at those whales. We just have <laughs> 
Yeah, but I remember remember the, 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 when you talk about the story with the bears, the one thing that saved was saving us from being eaten and not eaten was a guy named Dougie. Oh, good old Dougie. <laughs> good old Dougie. The the fishing guide named Dougie. Remember the guy with the pants hanging down? What is his dad was the uh was the he, he was the pilot. He's the pilot. Yeah, he, he how could you forget that guy? Yeah, how do you forget Dougie? He he made it a, a great trip. So yeah. Dougie, he was that that was our second fly out, wasn't it? That was the second fly out, yeah. That, that was, was the second fly out, and that was probably one of the most memorable because that's the one where we pulled up with the bears. Yeah. Um now something pretty incredible happened on that day because Dave, you brought a drone. Oh god. You know, I've 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 been fishing with people before when we've limited out. Um, you know, I've limited on Mahi, I've limited is a little kid five, six years old, I would go out with my grandfather and my dad onto Lake Erie and we would limit out on perch. We would limit out on walleye. And up until that day, we had hit our limit on salmon every day, but never in my life did I think that I would be on the trip when somebody limited out on drones. On dr <laughs> the skill set that Daniel Song has as a person who has never fished before is amazing and if you want to know why this guy is so successful it's because he's not going to settle for the status quo anybody can catch the crap in the water that i'm supposed to be catching let me show you how to snag a, a fully operable drone out of the air as if it's not even there like so, i'm just gonna i'm gonna cast right there as if it doesn't exist and i will never as long like i don't think anybody understands how close I was to like really being in. Oh yeah, yeah, you guys. Yeah. I, that, that. I was I was looking at the photos and videos, and this story has to be told properly. So, but I'll just tell my version real quick, and then you guys tell your version, okay? And then we'll tell you the proper version. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we we what is that? We are parked or docked? Well, what is that term? Yeah, anchored. We're, yeah. yeah, we're just we're 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 anchored because okay, think so we're we're anchored next to this what is it, a little bump or a little hill? It's like I would a call little it marsh. Like a little island, like a little. There you it, go. It was so now, Dougie, our our guide, gives us the okay to say, hey, look, you can step out of the boat because you know you won't sink in this area here, and we're fishing for trout. I mean, I'm on one side of the boat, Dave is on the other, Grayson's on the Aaron saying everywhere. We're, 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 we're just fishing and we're yeah. catching them too. They're yeah. just, we're throwing them in. They're, they're coming. And now Dave, he wants to get a little bit more space. So he steps out of the boat and starts walking around. And he's probably no more than maybe 10, 15 feet away from the boat. And he, I see him getting his drone out. I said, oh man, that's a great idea. This is going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing footage. So he's doing his thing. Now I'm back to fishing. Grayson is, Aaron is, and we're catching fish. And and Dougie is, you know, helping us with the net. And I catch one. And I swing it around to the front of the boat. So I'm facing the front of the boat now. And Doug, he he gets the net. He puts new bait on my on my hook. And he says, Okay, Daniel, you're ready. You're good to go. Not knowing that Dave wants to capture all this. Now the drone is behind the boat, behind the boat, right that right in my uh, in my in my range here. So without looking, I throw my fishing rod over, and all of a sudden, I see Dave's drone just crash down to the water. Because <laughs> you're you were casting to the fish, because you could see the fish in the water. Right. You were back to where it was. You were focused on the fish. The drone was about. 10 to 12 feet above off the water when you hit that. And I was sitting there watching all this unfold. 
And I saw you cast and I saw, or I should say, I heard the whir of the of the drone clunched. And next thing you know, you start reeling. Dougie's like, reel it in, reel it in. And you've got it like this, like you're fighting a fish. I think I kind of stay take a step back and think of the circus that I'm watching unfold in my eyes. Yeah. And I start wheezing with laughter. Oh, we're, we're just getting warmed up. We're yeah. just getting warmed up at that point. <laughs> it was like slow motion. Cast, drone, in the water. I'm looking like, oh, God, he caught the drone. We're out here. We flew 1,300, 1,400 miles, sometimes more for salmon. And we catch a damn drone. <laughs> and I start losing my mind laughing. And I can't. And then, you know, Doug is trying to, you know, get, I, I can save it. He can save it. I, I can save it. He's going to save this drone by untangling it. And, you know, we just got to get the battery out and all this stuff. And we're, we're super concerned. We're not laughing at the fact. And I right. think it's clear after that, we aren't laughing at, you know, the cost of David, you know, $1,000 or more for a drone. <laughs> it was just the total. I'm laughing. Just thinking about what. It was so it was ridiculous. Chaos. The yeah. whole thing was just insane. Right. And so I'm looking at it. Because anybody out there listening that has a drone knows that you don't watch the drone. You watch your screen and you get your screen on your phone. So I don't even know that Daniel hit my drone. <laughs> I'm looking at it on my phone, getting it positioned because in my mind, I'm getting ready to get the absolute shot of a lifetime that Daniel's going to be able to take home and show his family when he hooked up with the salmon and I get the drone shot sweeping in from left to right and go right around the front end of the boat and zoom in on him angling, just rushing this thing. And the next thing I know, like, I just see water. Like, I just see the, the, I see the sky and then I see the water and I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm on this, like, island thing in the middle of the river that we were fishing. And it was fairly stable where I was, except it wasn't. And I didn't know that. And so as, as Dougie is sitting there screwing around, like ripping at the line to get the drone out, I'm trying to get there and like, no, don't do that guy. You don't know what you're doing. You're the reason they got the shit locked up at Walmart, bud. <laughs> like, you don't know what you're doing with my drone. So I end up trying to go and get it. And I step off. And I stepped down like three feet, yeah. three feet or four feet. And I'm no, the way that I was, Dave, I was your just, face, your face was at the boat level. I, I mean, was going to say, I literally was lucky enough to get my arm yes, up yes. to stop me. Because if I would not have done that, I would have been under the boat. There is no question. And water started to get into my waders. And yes. if I would have gone any further. My waders would have filled completely. I'd have been under the boat and good luck. I mean, I don't know how you'd have gotten me out of there. Uh, it would have been nearly impossible because the mud, the silt or whatever was so soft. It would have been like quicksand. Plus I'd have been weighed, weighted down that much more. I mean, I was already, I, I'm pretty quick on my feet for the most part. So I was already thinking about, do I need to try and get out of these waders as quick as I possibly can? Because there's no way I'm physically strong enough to pull myself out of here. And thank God, you know, Aaron and you guys grabbed me and, and yanked me up. But I mean, for a split second there, that was a lot closer to a really, really bad situation than what I think any of us realized. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. That's how I sum up Alaska altogether. Everywhere you go in Alaska, you are a hair away from a really bad situation. Yes. And you don't know what you're doing. Like, I'm going to advocate everybody go there. I think everybody should go fish. I think they should stay at the same place we stayed. 
and everything else. What I'm going to tell you is have some common sense when you do it for crying out loud. Don't approach animals. Like pay attention to everything around you because at any given time, like I didn't even, I was not even comfortable when we would get home if after dark. Right. Like that first night when we went to that place and um, Grayson had the world's worst steak. When we went to that place (laughs) and and, and got back, I literally, my butt butt puckered when I had to walk the 20 steps from the truck to the front door of our cabin because I had no clue. You what could, was looking at me through the woods, but I can promise you something was. Yeah. yeah. Well, so- and so, so Aaron, so once we figure out, okay, Dave is okay. He's safe. And he's back up on the boat. We, we pretty much pack up and we start taking off and maybe going to a different area. And this is when I lost it. Once we once we confirmed that Dave was okay, I'm riding on the boat. I look over and I see Aaron just he's laying down because he's laughing so much. Well, cause the <laughs> and line, then, and then the, I, and I recorded that. <laughs> the, right. But the line that hit my brain, because we were so conscious of how many fish we had, we limited out on this. And at the line that hit my mind was, well, boys are limited out on drones too. <laughs> I saw you trying not to laugh. Cause you thought Dave was mad. And I'm like, I don't think he's mad. I think he just like, kind of like shocked at what just happened. Yeah. I was glad to be to alive, man. Him. Yeah. We go to help him. And the damn boat went like this. And then Dave, Daniel had to go fall back to kind of counterbalance the That's boat. Right. And, and it was just such a, a, a almost disastrous, but I started laughing about the fact that we live it out on drones. And then I see you trying not to laugh, which makes me laugh harder. And then you're turning your face like this so Dave didn't see you laughing. And I'm losing my mind. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm like, what? and I told you I have it all on a video. And you're like, oh, my God. That's when we all just started losing it. And and what what was the Was that the fish eggs that we used for bait? What was that called? Yeah. Row. Salmon row. What is it? Row. Okay. Row. Yeah, it was salmon row. But it was weird because I never, like, he was explaining how they create this brine. It was that sticky. They put it in. And then it actually, like, sticks together in a glob. Yeah. So much so that they could put those little rubber bands around it, and it would actually right. hold it on the hook pretty good. I, and I, even when you throw it, and even when it's in the water, it would it would all stay together. But you know, we're we're fishing out there. This is probably maybe the third or fourth day. We're having a great time, and you know, we've used this row uh, out at I think it was out at sea. We used it out in the river on the flyout, and all of a sudden. Aaron gets this bright idea. He's, you know, he's, he's a curiosity kind of, he's curious, right? And he says, you know what? I wonder how this tastes. And I said, well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Coming from the guy who has the perfect bite, you eat the most random stuff, onions. And I said, we have to eat some random stuff in Alaska. You're like, I'm in, I'm in. I'm like, Daniel, the perfect bite. You're like, what? The per- I will never be in on that. Never. So it, how did that taste? Oh, well, when I proposed you do it and I saw you like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm like, and you had your phone out. I'm like, this is happening. I'm, I'm going to absolutely do this. Um, I thought it would be more salty, but like, cause you think like caviar, that kind of thing. It was definitely not salty, but I popped it in. It was just, and, big and it wasn't just a little piece. You no, popped in a mouthful. Oh yeah. If we're going to do that, we're going to go ham. Put it all the way. But no, I, I, I popped a big mouthful of it in my mouth. And it was chemical. It was not salty, even a little bit. It was not good, even a little bit. 
But no, it was uh, it was it was okay until I tried to chew and then try to swallow. When I try to chew it and swallow it, that's when I lost it, and I had to either throw it up or get it out. But but yeah, I thought for sure Daniel Song, the perfect bite guy, was going to do the perfect bite. Well, when we told all the locals what you did, that you took they a bite were, of it, they, like, they said, you are crazy. You are nuts. <laughs> Part-time. Part-time. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, um, I, I think I had, to be honest with you, I had completely forgotten about that. <laughs> Plus, then we also, uh, you know, we did the, the root beer tasting contest from uh, the different root beer, the craft root beers we found. Yeah, that was there. good. Yeah. Uh, we, we try to play, me and Grayson try to play spades like six times. It never happened. We still got to play Spade Grayson. Yeah, we do. I think I've got the basics. We got the basics down to yeah. you. We just got to play are, the damn game now. Are, are we not going to talk about the coffee run that we, the daily coffee runs? I I don't see why we shouldn't. We, yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> and, and you know what? I think that's native to that part of the country because Seattle so. and Portland are both like really huge coffee places. I would, I was honestly surprised at the number of places to go up there and get coffee. Just a little, shacks shacks on the side of the road and and i i don't know of a time we stopped that it was bad yeah 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 the and, quality you're and right I, it's a great business model they don't have them you know where you're at they probably should those are great business models they have some here but not the frequency they had in alaska one thing that is very just normal to me i found out that is not normal to anyone else and something so small that you don't even think about this so we go to our first restaurant our first dinner at and um in Kenai and I, I with that sports bar and every we sit down everyone's ordering their drink and I think uh you know some people order beer some people order soda and I she comes to me and she says what would you like to drink and I said can I just have some hot water and you guys looked at me like I was the weirdest thing in the world because it is weird who drinks hot? I haven't had it since I haven't had you it heard, since you heard of it having it sent besides really you. it's just one thing I I, I always have hot water as a matter of fact, I forgot about that until you just brought it up. <laughs> I've had it before with like some honey or a little lemon in it or whatever if I've got a sore throat, but I'm not going to use hot water as my daily drinker anytime soon, I don't think. I thought you were on to some like old, like new age medicine, like some new age medicine trick or something from the Far East that we didn't know about. Like I thought this was Daniel's Asian heritage coming in and like all the Asian people drink hot water now. Well, so, actually like, a, a lot of people do a lot of them do actually, or a lot of yeah, us. So, I mean, I, you know, and it, it's just interesting to me that there wouldn't be like tea leaves, you know, like putting a tea bag in it or coffee or whatever. I mean, to each his own, man, I'm not going to judge you because you drink hot water. That's your business. But I, it, it's just, it caught me by surprise. I've never seen anybody do that before. So here's my question is we're because we probably need to wrap up. We could sit here and recap this thing for like three more hours if we wanted to. But I want to be respectful of everybody's time, including our audience. Grayson, favorite thing of the entire trip? Probably Aaron's stories. Okay, fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Robertson's more stories, more legendary than the Alaskan frontier. So just know that if you have an opportunity to engage in a conversation. Uh, a, he should come with a T-shirt that's a warning label, and B, um, more legendary than the Alaskan wilderness. Aaron, Just what about you? You know, you know, I think obviously the the drone was absolutely spectacular. <laughs> but even you know, going out to to the the island after the the island we pulled up to that little that little fort, whatever that thing was, 
that was like this big, you know. We'll uh, never know what it really was. We don't yeah, really know. Uh, me and Daniel got chewed out for going too far, right? We we almost got jumped. Yeah, I mean, we think that's where they're keeping hostages and you know meth. I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, but think that you know people live like that. That's how they live, and they live out in the wilderness. And you know, they 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 said it was because there's a big you know bear problem, which clearly there is, but. You know, I think the drone thing was hysterical. I think just, um, you know, we almost hit a moose, uh, which was absolutely hysterical after we didn't hit the moose. Um, but, you know, that was just, just wildlife is right there. You know, you think that you're fairly protected because of your border, your your wall, or your, you're not. They're, <laughs> they want in, they're coming. You no, know. I think the funniest thing for me, like one of the funniest things I heard is when we all thought we were going to actually do damage with 45 or 50 caliber. And the guy just yeah. laughed. He's like, that's going to bounce off of a bear. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were there, you know, the, the bears again, you know, I think, I think we were more worried about the bears and they're worried about us, but I think the favorite trip again, you know, the flossing thing, you know, I, I, I tried to, to get you guys to not floss only because it's a, it's a stupid technique, I think. Uh, but the 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 flyout trips with the silvers, I would do flyout trips, go for silver at the Kasilov, or go out to uh, um, some of these islands where these silver salmon are running, and just absolutely tear them up because you can do that. It's a it's actually hooking with a hook and bait and all that, whereas flossing, you're basically snagging fish as they as they swim by. Uh, this, I think it's more true to the to the uh, angling um, that we're all normally uh, used to having. But for me, I think it was the flyout trips and, and silvers uh, and those little bush planes, that float planes, amazing. The scenery. What about you, Daniel? And and Aaron, just so you know, Grayson is he is one hundred percent telling the truth about your stories because him and I would sit in the back of the truck when you were telling your stories and Grayson would hit me and say, Daniel, ask him another one. Ask him another one. <laughs> well, again, you asked me, I'm going to tell you the truth. This yeah. is just my life. I've lived in 46 years, a pretty incredible life. I've been a lot of places, done a lot of things. Some I'm proud of, some I'm not, but it's my life. That's what makes me me. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it is, uh, again, I just, I just believe in being my true authentic self and uh, having so much fun like sharing things I've done, things I want to do. And I think uh, this is one of many trips that we're going to look back and think, well, we got an opportunity to do, but this is one. Remember, we got another one coming up. That's and right. Another, another my, one. So let's my, talk about Alaska. My favorite part about the trip, I mean, there there isn't one thing specifically of the trip, you know, mm -hmm. the, the fishing, the, the, the conversations that we had. I mean, the, the, the stupid little jokes that we made that it's only funny to us. If All we right. had, if we told the jokes, it would be fun. It wouldn't be funny to anyone else, but because we were there spending time together, um, the memories, the fish, everything, even, even the food, I was impressed with the food. The thing that I am proud about, about this trip is that again, we all took it. We made a decision as busy as we are. I mean, we're all family guys. Yeah. As busy as we are, we did it. And you guys, my biggest, my longest trip was 20 years ago when I got married, our honeymoon, we went to Jamaica and that was probably for about seven days. This Alaska trip was my longest trip ever in my life. And outside of Hawaii and outside of Jamaica, I have not been out of the country. I mean, I, I served in Okinawa, 
But but outside of that, and I and yes, Alaska still the U.S. But I mean, you, you know what I mean. So this was a big deal for me, and I was just proud of all of us that we were we're at a point in our lives where we can do this, and and just be out there and just have a good time. I mean, yeah, the internet was pretty sketchy, and you know it wasn't a perfect you know situation at times. But man, we just we had fun. We had the best of it. We had great memories, and we had so much fun that we're open to doing it again. Absolutely, Dave. What about you? I think that I could have done that trip in any kind of a format at any any time down the road, and it would pale in comparison to the week that we had. I think that what you know, it, it's like a recipe. I think we had all the right ingredients, and we cooked it at the right temperature. Um, everything was perfect. You know, from even the imperfections allow us to tell stories, which only cement the memory that much more. And so I think from my perspective, it, it, and I would challenge any of the other, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen that are out there listening to this. I understand that this probably, you know, that this has the bent to be a guy's trip, but please understand that's because it was, you know, I'm not advocating that everybody go out and do an only guy's trip. Ladies, it's equally as important for you to have your girls trips. And I encourage that my wife does that. One of the reasons that, um, that my relationship with Andrea is as strong as it is, is because we allow each other that freedom and flexibility to go do those things because we understand how important it is that we have relationships outside of ours too. Um, and let me be very clear, people, we're not swingers. I'm talking about friendships. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really, really important that we have those friendships. And I do think, um, that it's really important as men that you have other men that are in your inner circle that are holding you accountable, that are keeping you in check, that you know that if you need something, you can pick up the phone and call them. And, you know, I'm not I, uh, Mike Carey, when we were in Key West, probably said it best a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, David keeps that inner that his inner circle really tight. And I said, you're right. And that's intentional. I can't have a big inner circle. And I don't think any of us really can. But being able to go on that trip and know that I didn't have to try and pretend to be anybody that I'm not, uh, not that I would have, but there was just zero pressure, man. We went to have a good time. Our, our biggest uh, objective was to have a good time. And I think we accomplished that. Um, so I would say overall, just the general dynamic and then the fact that we got to do it together is my favorite part. But if you want to know like an actual, like tangible favorite part of the whole thing, the second flyout trip, I got put on a plane by myself. You guys were separate from me, if you remember. When we flew back to the lodge, I had to get on the plane because they had a space and there wasn't going to be enough room on the other one. And so we're flying and the guy's in the seaplane and it just keeps going up and up and up. And I'm like, wait a minute. We did not fly this high coming in. And it kept going. And I'm like, this thing's not rated to go much higher probably than where we're at. And the next thing I know, like we're getting really, really close to the clouds and I'm like looking down the thing to make sure the pilot's okay. Like that he knows what he's doing. And as soon as we get to right about where the clouds were, he banks over and we, and we bank to the right and we go between the peaks of two mountains that are up there. And I look down and there's this absolutely gorgeous glacier mountain lakes and everything. It was absolutely pristine. And for that moment, you felt like you were at the absolute top of the world. There was nothing that was, I mean, more pure than that, than that, uh, that look at that time. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, when you go on a bucket list trip, 
You need to see and witness things you'll probably never, ever see again. I'm going to catch plenty of salmon. I'm going to, you know, I'm probably going to ruin another drone at least once. I'm going to have friends that I go on trips with and we have good memories and stories to tell after. But I don't know that I'm ever going to be in a seaplane in Alaska, you know, banking between the peaks of two mountains to see one of the most beautiful natural landscapes that I've ever seen. And to me, when I think back about what that looked like, even though I tried to capture it on film, nothing will ever replace what it looks like when you glance on that the first time. And so for me, I'd say that was my favorite tangible moment of the entire thing. But, you know, I really just think the whole trip was worthwhile. I think it was good personally. I think it was good professionally. It allowed me to get out and just think about things that I needed to get cleared up in my own head and sorted through that I would never take the time to do when I was here. So in the office. So I just, I think that was really, really cool. And for those of you who are wondering, Aaron, like sort of, sort of uh, dropped a hint, but there is another one coming up this summer and we're heading to Panama boys. And we're going to go see what we can't drum up there. And Grayson's next, uh, Grayson's not the next one in the rotation. He had his trip. So we're going to see uh, who the player to be named later is. It, it may be Landon, assuming he's willing to go, but he's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a recluse and maybe not as conditioned to go on that type of a trip is a nice way to put it. But if Landon ain't coming, my boy, he's next in line. I will bring Ethan to Panama mm. to fish. Love it. Love it. You will never see anything like it. That I can assure you. While we were on this podcast, Annie sent me a video on Facebook Messenger. Tomorrow's uh, Today was garbage day, and they must have spilled something. And Ethan was all, he was angry at the garbage man. He had the hose and his squeegee out cleaning off the outside of the garbage can before he took it back because they made a mess. And he was blessing them out on the video. <laughs> I mean, you got you got marlin, Pacific marlin, black marlin, wahoo, yellowfin tuna. I mean, come on, how do you I, not take that trip? We're gonna. I'm, I, I don't wait. know what else you could ask for. That's amazing. I can't wait. I love. Well, it. listen, guys, I appreciate you coming on. More importantly, I appreciate the trip. I appreciate your friendship, and I mean, uh, to Daniel's point, you know, we we definitely left that time uh, closer than we were when we got there, and nothing will ever change that. So. I don't, I can't think of anybody better that we could have spent that time with. And I mean, we weren't even really, to be honest with you, we weren't even that great of friends. We we were friends and had spent time together, but you don't, you don't spend that kind of time with just anybody. And so um, I, I think it was a really, really cool experience. And I, I would challenge everybody out there. Just go, go cross one off the bucket list this year, whatever it is. Awesome. Love you guys. You Love too, you guys. buddy. Awesome. All right, guys, I'll holler at you later. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.